This podcast contains sexual themes and is intended for open-minded adults. If you're under the age of 18, you should stop listening now. You're listening to Sharing is Caring. In this podcast, we talk openly about our journey into the lifestyle, about opening our relationship and our lives to a whole new way of thinking. Come and share our adventures into sex positivity and ethical non-monogamy. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 10 of Sharing is Caring. I'm Kiwi. And I'm Sherry. This is an episode I've been really looking forward to and also really worried about. It's such a large, complex topic and I really want to get it right, but still actually be entertaining. Oh well, you haven't said what topic it is yet. Oh, that's coming. So just to preface this episode, it's a reminder that we are by no means the experts and we're on a journey of our own to figure all of this out. For this podcast, we'll talk about bisexuality. Woohoo! So we'll cover what bisexuality is, and we'll talk about the Kinsey scale, uh, we'll talk briefly about labels, and then discuss how we experience the lifestyle from the perspective of being a bi couple. And finally, how being bi influences our everyday lives. That's um, quite a lot. It's, it's a lot to fit into one podcast. No idea how long it's going to be, so mm. buckle your seatbelts. So any reason why we're recording this now? So it's the last day of Pride Month. Yay! Well, sad that it's the last day, but it's a great month. And we're going to release it uh, this week, which is the week leading up to London Pride, which is next Saturday, which is Saturday the 6th. So if you are in London, we're going to be there giving out some stickers, partying. I'm really looking forward to it. So on to our catch-up. But before we start our catch-up, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone who has got in touch with us since our last episode. We were overwhelmed with the number of people reaching out to us, especially about our segment on why we stick to soft play for now. It really made us feel better about our choices, and we are really happy that people can relate. It's really a good feeling. And now... On to our catch-up. So we were out last Saturday, yesterday. Last night. (laughs) So we were out last night and had dinner and just going for a bit of a walk after we'd finished dinner and we stumbled across a Honey Burdette shop. For people who aren't familiar with Honey Burdette... Yeah, it's a Aussie brand. Yeah, it's an Aussie brand. Yeah, well, I'm not coming from Australia, so I wouldn't know. (laughs) Although, neither are you really, but, you know, same old. Not really. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Oh, Australia, you New Zealand. <laughs> so yeah, um, we we hadn't we didn't have any plans to go shopping, but we wanted to pop in for a look because we've heard so much about this shop. So we went in, and then we, oh. we went a bit crazy. Things got a bit out of hand. There was, there was sexy lingerie. There was toys. There were handcuffs. There were leashes. It was so were... nice, though. Well, initially it was like kiwi thing. Do you want to try it on to me? I was like, oh, I'm not sure. We just had like a five course meal. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel it in the most sexy of moods, so I wasn't sure. But in the end, I tried one outfit on, and it was just. We falling tried in love. One piece on. One piece on. One piece of an outfit. And then there was a matching bra and matching underwear to go with it. So naturally, she had to try those on as well. Yes, and it all fit quite nicely. Yeah, and the woman who works there, she was amazing. She was so cool. Yeah. She saw us looking at the collar earlier, 
And then she came into the changing room and when I wasn't looking, I was just out hanging around waiting, put the collar on Sherry and then let her out of the changing room. It was very sexy. Yeah. So we had to include the collar <laughs> and the matching handcuffs. It's quite a nice outfit. I'm really happy about it. I can't wait to wear it. Me neither. <laughs> I'm going to put it on when she's not around. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that next time I wear it, I'm not going to keep it on for too long. <laughs> what else have we been doing? So if we go back another week. Oh, yes. We went on a quick road trip. To the south coast. Yeah, it was really good. It was uh, one night away, booked a hotel in the centre of town on the south coast, and uh, we met some really interesting sexy people. The bedhoppers. Mr and Mrs H. Hello. They are really awesome. They are really great people. If you don't listen to their podcast, bedhoppers, you should definitely check it out. They have the best accents. Yep. They both sound really, really sexy. Not just on the podcast, but in person as well. Yeah. So we checked into the hotel and we did what we always do when we first check in into her hotel. It's the most important thing to do. <laughs> we took a few sexy photos because, you know, it's a hotel. We kind of have to. It's on the checklist. It'd be rude not to. And then Mr. and Mrs. H arrived and they brought some wine with them. A really cool wine, actually, called Quickie. Yep. Yeah, that was really, really cool. So we had um, a Quickie. We had a quickie. It tasted nice. So yeah, we started chatting and then... Yeah, it was, it was really engaged conversation. It was really, really great connection. Oh, yeah, They're yeah. really cool people. And um, was chatting out about experiences and everything like that. And uh, they'd bought some of their podcasting equipment with them. So we uh, sat down and had a bit of a record with them. Yes. I have to say I, I was feeling a bit um, intimidated. Yeah, I definitely wasn't ready. Well, you, you put your podcast voice on and sounded your normal Kiwi self. podcast voice. <laughs> you have a podcast voice. You sound like a TV presenter for a game or something. After we finished that, we just chilled in the room for a while and then headed out for cocktails. They showed us a really cool cocktail bar, which was just around the corner from our hotel, which is really convenient. Well, it's a secret one. It's a secret one, though. Speak easy, cocktail bar. And we would tell you where it is. But, but we can't. Then they probably it's a secret one. And then we went out for tapas for dinner. That was really good. Oh, and yeah. there's a dude sitting at the table next to us who was listening into the whole conversation. He looked like he was having a ball. He was just chuckling silently to himself. I thought he looked half uh, horrified, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not sure if he was enjoying it or a bit shocked by what we were saying. <laughs> we weren't speaking loudly. He just... No, but he was sitting right next to us and clearly Listening interested. very intently. Mm. Looking our way all the time. I would be very interested to know what he was thinking. Yeah. And then after dinner, we felt like another cocktail. So uh, we said, bring us to the best cocktail bar around here. <laughs> so uh, I'm pretty sure we didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, we said, we said that to remember it. That's how it happened. And we ended up in the worst cocktail bar <laughs> in the city or maybe even the world. The how can woman, they fuck up a mojito? Yeah, the woman who made it, she put all of her passion and anger and hatred into making that drink <laughs> she just she had a lot of energy oh she had a lot of anger i thought you know at least there's that much passion in it something's gone into it it must taste good but it, it just i don't even know how it didn't even taste like a mojito yours didn't and mine was um was it a strawberry or raspberry mojito mm. and that was disgusting so we decided to uh call it early at that bar it's not really worth staying because we had another couple bottles of wine back at the room. Yeah. So we uh, grabbed an Uber and headed back to the hotel and uh, sat around chatting for a while. And then... And uh, drank some more wine. And drank some more wine. A lot more wine. And uh, then uh, Mr. and Mrs. H had the game of lifestyle, which we'd never seen before. No, I'd never heard about it, actually. You know, one thing led to another and it's a new game and we enjoy games. So we had to find out what it was all about. Mm-hmm. But we have ordered a copy for ourselves because we had so much fun playing it. It is a good game to start things. 
yeah so we're going to uh have to talk a bit more about that as we play it that was a lot of fun with them and then we left uh, we met them next morning for uh, some brunch which was really cool and then we had a bit of a tour around town and they showed us around it's a great wee place and it was really nice having our own personal tour guides yeah and it was quite a nice city to walk around as well yeah and then I had the best brownie in the world. It was quite that a was contrast so from the worst cocktail in the world. <laughs> but I have to say, Mrs. H is a woman of taste and culture. On uh, on Saturday, she <laughs> had the Flight of the Concords pins and uh, What We Do in the Shadows pin. And then on Sunday, she was wearing a What We Do in the Shadows t-shirt. I'm not sure if that was deliberate or it just so happened. I'm not even sure Very she was trying to humor you. I think it <laughs> might just be her style of what she likes, which is yep, Like better. I said, a woman of taste and culture. Yeah. Well, I need to do the same to make you happy then. Although you wouldn't mind too much what I'm wearing now, would you? Oh, you look amazing. Oh yeah, so we haven't told you, but Sherry is wearing a fishnet bodysuit, essentially, or fishnet dress. It's uh, a record so far. I think it's because I've got my pants on that she hasn't stopped the podcast and jumped me yet. <laughs> but hopefully we can get through a whole recording. Well, that's because I ordered a lot of things of the internet for our stained cap. Because last year... I didn't bring any lingerie or sexy stuff for the evenings because I thought, I didn't realize that was the way it was. So this year, I'm going to be super equipped. I'm going to be wearing the right type of clothing and I'm going to look sexy. But enough rambling about what we've been up to. On to the main topic. So we've been having quite a few really good conversations over the last few weeks and it's really inspired us to have some of the discussions on this episode. So it's really an amalgamation of a lot of conversations that we've had between ourselves and with some really interesting great people that we've been speaking to. To start off this portion, I guess we should really talk about what actually is bisexuality and that's such a broad, broad term, but we found a definition which we actually quite like. Sherry, can you read that out? Yes. It's a definition by Robin Oakes, which says, Bisexuals are people who acknowledge the potential to be attracted romantically and or sexually to people of more than one sex and or gender, not necessarily at the same time, not necessarily in the same way, and not necessarily to the same degree. So quite a lot of ifs and buts. But Bisexuality is a lot about ifs and buts and ands or ors and not necessarily Butts and boobs and hands and dicks. So there's also the Kinsey scale, which is very famous, isn't it? Yes, a podcast about bisexuality wouldn't be complete without a mention of the Kinsey scale. Yeah, and because you love this one, I'm going to let you talk about it. All right. So it was published by Alfred Kinsey in the 1940s. His research was really controversial at the time because it was a suggestion that sexuality is fluid rather than fixed. How dare he suggest this? Revolutionary. Well, it was at the time. And in fact, Alfred Kinsey was reportedly bisexual as well. And he had a same-sex relationship outside of his heterosexual marriage. Apparently, when he was a teenager, he would feel a lot of shame for his homoromantic thoughts and feelings and could punish himself. That's a bit harsh. Yeah, but I think that's probably time, not that uncommon for at the time. But even even still, that happens, I would say, it happens a lot. A lot of people feel shame for what they're feeling because yeah, they haven't... Yeah, just rejected entirely. Exactly. They mm. haven't been taught that it's normal. Yeah. What is the Kinsey scale? The Kinsey scale is used in research to describe a person's sexual orientation based on one's experiences or responses at a given time. So that was the definition from the KinseyInstitute.org. Is it the one that they're analysing by making people watch same-sex porn or hetero porn? I don't know. I've heard about something like that. I've heard about a researcher doing this and measuring their arousal. 
ah. to define if people were gay or straight. Man, what a great clinical study. You get paid to watch porn. <laughs> so the actual Kinsey scale itself. Sherry, do you want to tell us about what it actually is? It's numbered from zero to six. And people at zero, they report exclusively heterosexual or opposite sex behavior or attraction. Those at six, on the other hand, report exclusively homosexual or sex same same-sex behavior or attraction. And ratings from one to five are for those who report varying levels of attraction or sexual activity with either sex. And in the original Kinsey report studies, the X categories designated the group who reported no social sexual contacts or reactions in their interviews. So that would be asexuals. Exactly. If someone doesn't identify either being attracted to Same their sex. own sex or another Opposite gender, sex. Yeah. Um, then... That'd be an X. So it's a useful tool for quick and easy reference. And it's good for being able to have these sorts of conversations about where you're in the Kinsey scale or how you're feeling at the time. But it is very binary and it's a one-dimensional scale. And also it doesn't differentiate between romantic or sexual attraction. Exactly. There's so many dimensions on the bisexual scale. It's very much a spectrum. Well, you came up with your own little scale, didn't you? Yeah. So after having some of the conversations in the last month talking about bisexuality, I tried to put my finger on of how I actually think about bisexuality and what are the main parts to it. And to me, it really isn't a scale of... or It's not a line. It's not a line as simple as, am I more attracted to men or women at the moment? To me, there is so many factors which form an overall attraction, even on the generic level. For example, I may be more sexually attracted to men, but romantically attracted to women. I enjoy kissing women more than men, but I love both cock and boobs. So to me, I imagine attraction as being more of a three-dimensional model where the main pillars are physical attraction, sexual attraction, and romantic attraction. So to qualify those definitions, physical attraction includes things like aesthetics, their body and touch, even encompassing those feelings of wanting to be someone. Sexual attraction is probably the most self-explanatory. It's the chemistry you feel when you meet some people. It's wanting to pleasure them and have them pleasure you in return. And finally, romantic attraction is wanting to build a loving relationship, to build something more and share your lives to a deeper level. So where, where will you locate yourself on the scale? I know that you've, you've put it on Twitter already. Yeah, so I went to the pub after work a couple of weeks ago or last week and I decided I'll scribble this down on paper after talking about it so much, as well as marking where I was sitting at the time. And where I marked myself at the time was one for romantic. So that was saying, I'm not very romantically attracted to men. I am a, a small amount. I'm not exclusively attracted to women. But at the same time, it's only a mild attraction. Physically, I marked myself as a two. So I, I was quite attracted to men physically, but not to the same degree as I am women. And sexually, I marked myself as a three. Definitely equally sexually attracted to men as women. How about you? So for me, I think that wouldn't be too different for romantic because I've uh, I've never felt romantically attracted to women, but I don't know if it's just because I've grown up in a in an environment where I saw Disney movies and it's always a princess and a prince. You've never seen a princess and a princess or a prince and a prince, so it never even occurred to me. So I grew up in that mindset that a girl had to be with a boy until way later when I discovered that gay relationships existed. Uh, but at the moment, I'm on a one on the romantic side of the scale. So following on from that vein of thought, would you be open to having a romantic relationship with a woman? Yes, open to a thought. But um, yes, I for some time on um, 
dating apps, I put women and then I chickened out and changed. But I'm not, I'm not against the thought. It's just I don't have romantic fantasies about women. But men, yes. All right. Uh, physical, I would put a three because I find women really nice to look at. And also that's partly the I want to be them. Also, yeah, I find women equally, attra equally attractive. And you really like touching women's bodies and, and cuddling kissing, women. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, sexually, I wouldn't put as much, probably a one and a half or a two. I'm not as attractive sexually as I am physically to women. Still enjoy having sex with them, but not as much as... I guess I like dick <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's where I stand at the moment. Oh, okay. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't told you before. Naturally, that will probably all change in the next few days or next few weeks or even next few months, as is the nature of this. Yeah, and depending on the women I met as well. That's also a big part of it is when you meet someone who you are attracted to, I think regardless of what I, where I place myself on the scale now, if there's someone who I find extremely attractive, I can throw that all out the window. Good to know that you can be easily swayed. The next topic is on labels. So I've learned a lot about labels in the last few days, mainly that the L goes before the... No, the E goes before the L. <laughs> Still confused? It's a word I can never spell. <laughs> it's not that complicated. <laughs> That's cute. So we were chatting with an awesome couple on Kick about labels last week, and it really went in the direction of there are so many different definitions and interpretations of labels, and it really becomes convoluted very quickly. It's really easy to start using labels as a box to put people in or even try to define the confines of labels, making them exclusionary rather than inclusive. Yeah, I find that binary boxes are often used for teaching concepts. For example, to children, you can be a boy or you can be a girl, um, so male, female, you can be gay or straight. But as we grow up and we become able to grasp the concept of non-binary, it's important that our understanding also those two. Because labels can make this transition a bit more difficult. I don't know how many people have heard about that, but some time ago, at the start of the month, there were protests outside a, a school, a primary school in Birmingham, uh, because in that school they had planned to teach about LGBT equality. And there were demonstrators protesting against the fact that the, these children were being taught that people of all genders and sexualities should be treated equally. So that, to me, a bit crazy. That sounds incredibly crazy. So what was their stance? Did they think children just shouldn't be exposed to that? Or were they protesting uh, LGBT rights in general? I didn't look too much into detail about why they were protesting. It's, it might be a thing of, um, oh, you're going to make our children gay by telling them that gay people exist, which is ridiculous. You're not going to make them gay. You might help them understand what they're experiencing in life. And if that opens your eyes to the fact that, wow, there is something other than I heteronormativity, then that could help them be gay. Yeah. I, I think some parents wanted to keep the power of deciding if or when their ch children would learn about being gay or... I don't think that's that. a right that parents have of deciding if your children get to learn about LGBT rights. I agree. It's a fact of life. LGBT people exist, so we might as well start talking about them so there's less bullying in schools for any child who could be different in that way. Yeah. So in the end, there was a high court injunction against the protesters because it, the whole situation was making, well, creating a lot of stress amongst the children and the teachers. Yeah, labels can be very damaging. But on the inverse, labels also provide a simple, approachable way for people to identify. Sometimes people can know they are feeling something or some way, but they 
they might feel alone or they might not be able to identify what it actually is. By applying a broad label to behavior or portions of their identity, then we're able to learn more about ourselves and find common communities and like-minded people. For example, if we do learn a label which describes something which we're experiencing, we can quickly Google it and then find out that, wow, we aren't actually alone and then start to dig more into it. So it provides a base to launch from, essentially. Yeah, I think it's it's a really simple way of communicating common ideas and beliefs. And when it's used constructively, those are extremely useful. But we need to be careful when we apply labels, because especially when someone else and ourselves, because mm. we can um, potentially upset someone. Yeah, but knowing myself, I'm the sort of person who sends a message before proofreading it, who says something without thinking too much, and I can speak carelessly. So rest assured, it's never my intention to cause offence, but I probably will apply some label to someone at some point, really without intending. Well, it's like using the wrong pronoun when you don't know that someone identifies as one gender or the other or is non-binary. I definitely try and use yeah, them, they, wherever possible if I don't know someone's gender identity or how they identify. So I'd definitely like to do a whole podcast on labels in future, not just around LGBTQI labels, but about labels and swinging just in life in general. If we loop back around to what we're currently talking about today, about bisexuality. Yes. So people use many different labels to describe themselves within the sexual community. So we have bisexual, biromantic, heteroromantic, homoromantic, heterosexual, homosexual, etc. You can decline it to so many levels. Yeah, so bisexuality encompasses all of that. The word bisexuality does have roots in gender binarism, but it's a term which has grown and evolved as we as a culture have, have evolved. And it's, it's stayed up to date and encompassed all of these other identities within it, which is why I like it so much as a term. Hmm. So what would you say between bisexual and pansexual then? Ah, that's the age-old question. Well, not actually that old, because pansexual is quite a recent term. <laughs> yes, a lot of people make the joke about it's people who like pans. Bisexual versus pansexual, that's a really tough question. For me, pansexual is feeling an attraction to people regardless of their gender or sex. Whereas bisexual, their gender and their sex play more into your attraction. So it's almost like an attraction despite and because of. It's a very fine line, a blurred line. I feel almost like pansexual is a subset of bisexual, but there's probably people who will slap me for saying that. <laughs> but I've seen a lot of people use bi plus, which seems to be a term which is more friendly to encompass everything else, which is around attractions to multiple genders. Mm. So would you say you're pansexual? I, I think I'd say I'm bisexual. From my definition, I'd say I'm bisexual. Mm. I think people's gender identity and sexuality is part of what I find attractive. Mm. How about yourself? I'm not too sure yet. I like the idea of pansexuality, but I only know people who are binary. So I can't really tell if I'm attracted to people who are more than male or female. I kind of like butch-looking women, and I like effeminate men, so I'm not sure if that would make me a pansexual. I'm, I don't know. I don't know enough at the moment, but I'm learning. So after talking about some of the different ways which people within the bi-plus spectrum identify, you can see why the Kinsey scale is not quite the most useful scale for trying to identify for real-life application. For conversations, it's really good, but there seems to be a place that you need something a bit more. As in homoromantic versus heteroromantic. Exactly. And you just threw in there the physical attraction as well. As we mentioned when we talked about the modified 
uh, scale with the, the three Kiwi different scale. pillars. <laughs> with the three pillars. I mentioned this will probably all change. And that's something which people talk about and uh, people refer to it sometimes as the bicycle. Ooh, the bicycle. The bicycle. <laughs> um, and that's really about how your preferences change over time, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. So, for example, one day you might be more attracted to men, male-identifying people, and then one next day you might be more attracted to female-identifying people. It might be a swing so quickly as that it happens overnight, or it might be something which gradually changes over a period of weeks or months or even years based on anything which is happening in your life. So it's not a fixed thing? It's not a fixed thing, no, definitely not. It's really not. fluid. Sexual attraction is a very fluid thing. So how about being bi in the lifestyle? From what I've seen, uh, many women in the lifestyle are bi or bi-curious at least. And for me... I have this impression that women's sexuality is always assumed to be more fluid, fluid than men's. Yeah. And if you take porn, for example, if let's say there's a threesome with two women and one man, the women are always expected to interact together and have sex together. Whereas if there's two men and one woman, generally it would be just the two men on the woman and the men wouldn't really touch each other. So I think there's also some social expectations because of what we see around mm. us. But not all women are bi. And I don't think we should assume that all women are bi. Even though I don't understand how you could not want to be bi. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's so beautiful. It's kind of expected in the lifestyle again. Yeah, and there's a lot of people who, women who have said that they've had experiences where they've mentioned that they're not bi, but women are still quite pushy and not quite believing them or wanting to interact with them anyway just for their partners to watch or for other people who are watching, which mm. I, I really don't like the idea of that. For example, if you were heterosexual, I wouldn't want you to interact with another woman just for my pleasure. The fact that you weren't enjoying it wouldn't be enjoyable for me. I'm sure it wouldn't be enjoyable for the other woman who's interacting with you because they know that you're not into it. Yeah, I agree. But each to their own. Well, thankfully, it's not my problem. Because I'm really attracted to women. <laughs> but yeah, once again, definitely not all women are in the, in the lifestyle who are bi and it shouldn't be an expectation. Yes, but from also what we've experienced, most women are. Yeah. Yes. So why is it that so few men identify as bi in the lifestyle or period? That's a very good question. Probably something to do with all the stigma which is out there towards bisexual males. Or gay males to start with and it kind of seeps into against bisexual males it's not something that i've experienced around gay men and the lifestyle i think that's a very different scene yeah but i think there's quite a bit of homophobia against gay men oh i see what you're saying and bi men are kind of seen as gay therefore there's the same kind of uh so the fact phobia. that you're attracted to men you want to play with men you must be gay exactly I'm not interested in that or get away from me. The fact that you're bi means that you're going to try and touch me, even though I've said that I'm not into you. Yes, that sort of thing. the same as like a man saying, oh, he's gay, he's going to try it on with me. Well, no, it doesn't mean that we're going to jump on any anyone of the same sex. So there's definitely discrimination against bi men from some couples and from some venues even. So, for example, some venues have an explicit rule against male-male interaction. The fever party which we went to, which was our first uh, foray into the lifestyle, they have an explicit rule saying no male-male interaction, but female-female interaction is fine. Or even encouraged. Which doesn't sit quite right with me. No, I find it, it's, well, it's discrimination. Pure, pure and simple. Mm. Plain and simple, even. <laughs> <laughs> but it's acceptable discrimination. Well, it seems to be that it's been a level of discrimination which is acceptable within the lifestyle. I don't think it should be acceptable, though. It's 
I agree. That's, discrimination shouldn't be accepted. That's pretty much the main reason why I've been so apprehensive to go back to those parties. A lot of people also put on their profile, no by men. And even after putting in the profile, when you're sending messages, they say, my partner's straight. And they mention it several times. They're like, okay, we get the message. Your partner's straight. Yeah, maybe they have something to prove. Or it's like they're so scared that if they're playing with a couple where one where the male is bisexual, that even though it's been clearly discussed and agreed that this isn't going to happen, like they'll be pulled into it somehow. Again, that's fear of the sex hungry and cannot give their hands to themselves. Although some clubs are embarrassing it. So for example, some clubs have specific by nights. Yay. Which is great. We need to go along to some of those. Yes, definitely. We haven't been to one yet. Mm. And some couples try to kind of hide it or just not display it by leaving off that their male half is a buy from the profile. I think that's such a shame. That's really, that just perpetuates the issue. I know, I know that some people do have a stigma against playing with bi people and it does make your life easier if you leave it off, but it's quite, it's more damaging than it is helpful. Because if everyone does it, then no one else is going to know that other people there out there are bi. So it's kind of perpetuating this impression that there are no bi guys. And you're closing the door to potential situations that you do want to get into. And the sort of people who you would scare off by saying what you were by on your profile. You probably wouldn't want to, to play with them anyway. Yeah, they're probably not the sort of people you want to play with. Yeah. So we've actually found that by stating openly on our profile that you were by brought us some added interest or even intrigue sometimes from some people or couples. Yeah, that's true. And even in situations where we're meeting people where they haven't seen our profile or don't know anything about us, we try to say quite early on that we are both bi. And we've had surprisingly good results from that. We actually haven't had anyone turn us down and go away because of that. But we've had people become quite a bit more interested when they found out. Yeah, like that guy in Rio's who was like, wow. His uh, eyes lit up. Yeah, and he was, did he say something along the lines of, oh, I'm so impressed that you would say it so openly? Yeah. Because he was bi too. And I think he was kind of keeping it for himself a bit more. And he was a bit worried to tell people. Yeah. It also opens up the door to a whole lot of new play styles. Humble brag time. <laughs> <laughs> if you are in a in a situation where there's two bisexual couples playing with each other, suddenly you have three more, three people to play with rather than just two. So that just adds a whole other level of fluidity and interactions mm-hmm. which you can have. It's a really, really great experience. And I found we've been able to find a four-way connection with bi couples a lot easier than we have with hetero couples or a couple where the woman is bi but the man isn't. Yeah. So I don't think we've played with any couples where they were both hetero. No, not that I can think of. Again, because most women in the lifestyle are expected to or are bi. And you are more interested in playing with other women than you are with other men. So we generally steer away from... Well, I guess hetero couples where both are hetero would be more swappy. Yeah. Because that's all you can do, really. Because then there wouldn't be any bi interaction. Mm, Interesting. How has being bi influenced our everyday life and how does it fit into our everyday life? Yeah, uh, I don't think for me it's had much of an impact apart from when we go out playing. How about coming out? Have you came out to anyone as being bi? Um, haven't really had to because I've... Uh, no, it, for me I've, I've come out as a swinger more than a bi person. And I think it was kind of expected because a lot of people already knew that I liked kissing women and stuff like that. So I didn't really have to come out. It was just a fact about you that your friends already knew. Yeah. And like you. So how was it for you to come out? So I've only had one situation where I've really come out. And there was a a good friend of mine and we go to the pub every couple of weeks. 
And his first reaction was concern for Sherry. Oh. I found that really interesting. He was extremely supportive and happy that I told him and sort of said, why didn't you tell me earlier? But his first reaction was concern for you, which I found really interesting because that is playing into the stereotypes that bisexual people can't be faithful. Yes, it is. It, it is a, a stereotype that's really present. Who do you tell that you're by? So do you tell your work? Do you tell your friends? Do you tell your family? I haven't told my family. I think it would be very different if I was bi and dating rather than bi and married to someone of the opposite sex and sometimes playing with women. It's not the same, but I've told a lot of friends. It's still your sexuality. It's still part of who you are. Yes, but... um, It's just not on display. I guess I don't necessarily want my parents to know about my swinging experiences, so I'm not going to tell them about my bi experiences because they're all linked. (laughs) Some of my friends know. Well, more friends know that I'm bi than friends who know that I'm a swinger. And then work, no, (laughs) that wouldn't go down well. For myself, I am out to a lot of my friends. I think nearly all of my friends who I have over in the UK and a couple from back home. Um, But I don't speak to the people back home as often. And it's not really something which you just send over a message saying, hi, (laughs) by the way, I'm by. How's it going? You like the profile picture on Facebook and then you add, hey, I'm (laughs) by. I'm not out to my work, but that's that's quite an interesting one. It's around, do they need to know? It doesn't really have any bearing on who I am or what I do at work. If someone asked me, then I'd be straight up, I'd tell them. But it's never been asked. It's never really came up. Well, you've been to a few um, conferences or events or presentations about well, LGBT plus ones. Yeah, so there's an LGBT plus network at my work, which I do go to some of their events. And there's been a couple of people there who have been surprised. And they said, oh, Kiwi, I didn't know this was your scene. I said, yeah, yeah, it is. They didn't follow up with any questions. The people of that network, are they all LGBT plus Not exclusively, no. or, yeah. It's uh, also allies, but okay. mainly... So maybe some of them might have just assumed you were an ally. Probably. If they know you're married to a woman. Exactly, hmm. exactly. Being bi and married to a woman essentially erases the fact that we're bisexual yeah. to and the outside world. Bi erasure is also one of the big issues with bi people because some of them married people from the opposite gender. Then you're not seen as bi anymore. You're seen, you're seen as a hetero. And if you're married to someone of the same gender, you're seen as gay or lesbian. Yes. Or even some people when they say, oh, I'm bi, then other can react saying, oh, well, you're just really gay or lesbian and you're going to fully come out later. It's just um, kind of a step on the way of fully coming out. You're halfway gay. Yeah. <laughs> it just It's just too too hard to say straight up that you're gay. So you're just saying you're bi, but in a in a year you, you might say you're gay. So yeah. that's part of the erasure as well. People think it's just a phase also. It's a phase you're going through. You'll outgrow it soon. Yeah. Well, you're playing with a few women at uni, but it's not really what you are. It's just for play during a few years, and then you'll go back to being hetero. Yeah. Another common form of bi-erasure, which I think is quite common in lifestyle, is upplaying bisexuality in women, but ignoring or downplaying bisexuality in men. So, for example, saying that most women in the lifestyle are bi, but very few men are. I know that's something we said earlier, but that's more from the aspect of being out as bi. But by perpetuating that thought or that narrative that not many men are bi and lots of women are, that it's encouraging is, it, yeah. so it's, things are keeping this, uh, staying the same. Yep. So the fact that there's a lack of willingness to accept or explore sexuality 
doesn't mean that it is absent. We need to continue to work to create a safe place for everyone to feel like they can explore their sexuality and talk about it and try new things without judgment. Exactly. And also there's this, um, we, we kind of brushed up on it, this stereotype of by people not being faithful. You're bi, so you can't be faithful. Because if you're married to a woman, you're going to want to go out and play with men. And if you're a woman married to a man, you're going to want to play with women and vice versa if you're in a lesbian relationship you're gonna cheat on your on your wife with a man and if you're gay well if you if you're in a gay relationship i'm gonna <laughs> struggle with this one so if you're man in a gay relationship but you're bi people assume that you're gonna cheat on your gay or bi partner with a woman does it make sense <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense but you're not in a gay relationship you're in a same-sex relationship uh... But we don't really have that problem because the lifestyle opens up those doors for us to experience our bisexuality mm. while still being together and in our own loving relationship. I want to add that it's not because you're bi that you're going to cheat. I mean, let's say if I was hetero and married to you, I wouldn't go out and seek all the other men. Why being bi means that I would have such a higher sexual drive that I w wouldn't be able to stop myself from cheating. It's just... This assumption about the fact that people are more sexual, can't be faithful. It's just mm. part of the whole package. You don't cheat because you're bi, you cheat because you're a cunt. Mm. On the topic of bi erasure and whatnot, I've done a bit of research into famous historical icons or celebrities who have been seen as being lesbian or gay, but actually were bisexual. So I've put together a little bit of a list and a short description of who they actually are. So the first person is Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson. So Sylvia and Marsha were the trans women who threw the first bottle and brick in response to the brutal police oppression and intimidation at Stonewall, and that triggered the riots. So arguably they're two of the most important figures in LGBTQI history, and they both self-identified as bisexual. And it's the anniversary of Stonewall at the moment, so... 50 years? Yeah, it's uh, topical. The Jubilee. Mm. And there's also Brenda Howard who's sometimes referred to as the mother of pride. And Brenda was on the community who organized the first Pride March in New York one year after Stonewall. Kind of an anniversary again. She identified as bi, poly, switch, and famously said, I'm not greedy, I know what I want. Brenda was a strong feminist and advocate for LGBTQI rights throughout her life. So there's been a lot of people throughout history whose sexuality was quite ambiguous and famously in music as well. So because, you know, I quite like these musicians, I thought I'd include them as well. Rock stars. Good old rock stars. So first one is Freddie Mercury. Woo! So he didn't really explicitly discuss his sexuality with the public. He didn't like to, but he had relationships with both men and women. And at one point he claimed to be bisexual, but his sexuality will remain unclear. And I guess we'll never know for sure. I think up until recently, until I saw the movie, I had always assumed he was gay. Yeah, me too. So it's part of the bisexual erasure, actually, that he would be portrayed as gay only because he had sex with men, even though he also had sex with women. And the second one is David Bowie. David Bowie experimented with fluidity in both his music and his gender. He was often pressed to label his sexuality. In an interview with Michael Watts in 1972, David said, I'm gay and always have been, even when I was David Jones. The majority of David Bowie's sexual encounters were reportedly with women rather than men. And some gay men labelled David as a tourist and believed that his homosexuality was part of his persona. Despite that, David insisted that he was not bisexual. So was he gay, bisexual or Bowie? Well, the answer to that is yes. 
<laughs> so we need to also quickly throw in a couple of other mentions for people throughout history who other people believe may have been bisexual. Although it's kind of hard to quantify it now, but among the list is um, Oscar Wilde, Malcolm X. I'll let you say that one because you love it. <laughs> and the bastard orphan, son of a whore and a Scotsman. Alexander Hamilton. Um, also Walt Whitman. And also Sir Alec Guinness. Who hey. is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes, I, I wouldn't have known that. He's a Jedi. Yeah, I know that. I know. <laughs> Thank you. I know that Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi is a Jedi. So one of the other things which you're quite often asked as bisexuals is, so who do you prefer? How much? And you have to constantly quantify what we're feeling and what bisexuality actually is to ourselves. People don't ask that to heterosexual people or to gay people. But as bisexuals, it's not a that uncommon question that we yeah. find. I find that as soon as you're kind of deviating, in inverted comma, from the norm, people just think they can ask any questions. As in, like asking transsexuals if they've had their operations. Or what kind of sex they have with which people, which you wouldn't ask normally to people. And I think the best option is to go around with your completed Kiwi scale in your pocket. And when people ask you questions, you just get the scale out, educate them. <laughs> <laughs> There's also the sexualization of bi people. Yeah, we also brushed up on that a, li a little bit earlier. As in, oh, you're bi, so you're up for anything. Or bi people are perfect for my threesome. Which they are, but not necessarily because we're bi, just because we like threesomes. Yeah, so, you know, just uh, if someone wants a bisexual threesome, just get in touch. You know. <laughs> I'm not helping the cause here. But personally, I don't mind being sexualized, but I think that's because I'm a bit of a slut, not because I'm bi. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, what a vast subject. Yeah, that was a quick run through. Not so quick. And there's a lot to condense into there. Hopefully we managed to touch on some of the topics. We didn't explore them in too much depth, but please do get in touch if you want to talk about it some more or if you've got some more questions or comments. Yes, I know we probably have missed some aspects of it. Oh, so much. And we might have used the wrong vocabulary sometimes. So apologies if, if that's the case. It's quite a, a sensitive subject to talk about We've, we've done our best. Yeah, and it's a subject we both care about a lot. So yeah. hopefully we've done it justice. But we're only newly... We're only human. <laughs> I was going to say... Only we're only newly human. <laughs> we're only newly openly bi. So it's only a subject which we have started learning about recently. Mm. So now on to our listener question. Yeah. So this is a question we got back after episode three or four. After we initially talked about both of us being bisexual. So it's quite convenient. So the question is, how long have you known that you're bisexual? And when do you first remember being attracted to a man or woman? For me, as I said before, I haven't had to come out. Because it's, um, even though I, I'm saying I'm newly bi, because I it's only new for me to identify as bisexual. But I've always liked women. Um, the first memory I have of being sexually attracted to a woman, well, it was to a girl, actually, because I was myself a, a teenager during a sleepover. Then when I was maybe 17, first kisses with girls at parties, really enjoyed it. Then carried on doing it um, at uni, had a heavy makeout session once with a, a woman at a party and almost went home with her. Chinkin' that at the last minute, always regretted Aww. it. I know, but at that party, I already had had sex um, in, a, in a small room with a, a guy. And I was a bit chafed from the experience. So <laughs> I didn't feel like I could just have more sex that night, even if it was with a woman. So I used that as an excuse. Still regret it, because it would have been amazing as a first experience. 
But yeah, and only since I've been with Kiwi and have played with women full on, have I myself identified as bisexual. Before it wasn't really a question I asked myself because I only went into relationships with, uh, with men. How about you? For me, I've always known I've been attracted to women. So I think that's an easy part to answer. But attraction to men, that's probably a more complex question, which goes back even further to my childhood. And I do remember when I was much younger, when I first was sneakily downloading porn off Kazaa. Oh, wow. Do you remember Kazaa? Yes. Yeah, those were the days. And I remember I did download some lesbian porn and I thought, this is, this is good, this is cool, it's great, but... I prefer something else. And I then downloaded some porn with a couple and I found that really hot. And then next I downloaded some porn with two men and I really liked that. And I also remember... So was it your favorite out of the three types of porn? No, no, it wasn't my favorite out of the three types, but I do. I remember enjoying it. And I remember a long time ago, I think even before the Kazaa days, when I didn't really know how to search for porn, I was much younger. And I searched for I think it was penispics.com because I wanted to see some <laughs> penises but I didn't know how to delete my search history and then I remember uh, my brother had a birthday party the next day <laughs> and they were on the computer and it came up in the search history and he called me into the room in front of us all of his friends and pointed out in the search history and oh I was so ashamed so naturally I denied it and blamed it on him and <laughs> left <laughs> But I think throughout all of my history, as long as I can remember, I've enjoyed watching porn with both men and women, and sometimes I've enjoyed watching porn with just men. But it's not something which I really connected with bisexuality. It's more something which I just thought, okay, I, I just enjoy watching that. It's more recently in the last probably four years or so, five years, that I've been open to the idea. And I think opening my mind to the idea has helped me realize that actually this is a thing, this is part of who I am. So when did you start identify as bi in your mind, even though you didn't tell it to anyone? When I first identified as bi, I think that's probably about two, no, a bit longer than that, three and a half years ago. And I remember it was a big moment for me. It was going on the HR portal at work and they've got the anonymous stats which they collect about the people that work there and how do you identify and I changed that to bisexual and oh, what a rush. <laughs> That's interesting. And yeah, that was probably the first time that I really identified to myself as bisexual and accepted what it is and then have been slowly progressing from there and becoming more and more open to it. Hmm. When did you come out as bi to me? I can't remember it being a big reveal. No, I think it was just during our fantasies or talking about things that we'd like to try. And I told you that I'd like to try being with a man. Yeah. And I think I, I told you from the start also that I, I liked women. Yeah, that was part of the driver to get into the lifestyle. Thank you for your listener question from many, many episodes ago. Hopefully you're still listening and you get to hear it. And if you want to submit a listener question or get in contact with us, as usual, we love hearing from you. So please find us on Twitter. We are at Kiwi and Cherry, all one word. You can also email us at kiwiandcherry at gmail.com and you can find our website at www.sharingiscaringpodcast.com And also, we're now on Fab Swingers. Woo! So you can find us on Fab as Sharing Is Caring Podcast. Come in, send us a message, have a look at Sherry's boobs. <laughs> We've had quite a few messages there. And we just figured out this week that iTunes reviews and ratings are actually original. 
and that we couldn't see a couple of them. So a big thank you to Louis Nell from Australia and I Kniadu. I'm glad it's you trying to pronounce the names, <laughs> not me. Uh, from the US for your reviews. To everyone else, thanks a lot for listening. That's what really matters in the, at the end of the day. Uh, but if you do enjoy the show, please, we will love you if you take time to rate and review uh, our podcast on iTunes. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Sharing is Caring. It has been quite a heavy topic this time. A bit serious today. So we've got something a lot more light-hearted lined up for next episode. A good friend of ours stayed over for a couple nights ago and we recorded an episode with her. It was a bit of an interview with uh, the first unicorn and it's actually going to be a topic around converting from a normal friendship into a sexy friendship. Yes, and you'll be able to listen to her and she has a really sexy voice and accent for those who like a Kiwi accent. The very sexy Kiwi accent. <laughs> and it was quite a sexy episode, I would say. I got, got myself quite aroused from just recording the episode. I think we all got a bit uh, worked up from recording that one. Yeah. So thank you very much for listening again. And remember, sharing is caring. Because we found out that stating quite clearly that you were gay, actually... Um, Am I gay? I did interest. Oh, shit. Sorry. We checked out to the hotel and, um, of course... Them. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs>